Hi, it's Nicole Brandon, and welcome to Ready to Look Younger. When I first started working with this company, I was so excited when they invited me and asked me because it opened the forum to almost every door and every possibility across the globe. They came and they talked to me about ways and possibilities of rolling back the hand of time, ways to lead a healthy life, a happier life, a passionate life, one where you're living your dreams, your hopes, your visions, and that really life is timeless, life is ageless, that you can really live the life of your dreams. And I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was taken to this incredible spiritual event and I started crying because everybody around me had gone to this class and that class and this other learning and this other teaching. And the person running the event asked me why I was crying. And I said, because everybody else knows so much more and they're so much older and they've been all these places and done all these things. And the teacher looked at me and said, young lady, you are older than anybody you will ever meet. <laughs> and I remember that. And I remember thinking, how is that possible to have youth and to actually have experience in this timeless, ageless, effortless way of living, this fearless, brave, adventurous spirit in every given moment and second in time. And a little while back, I had the opportunity to meet one of the most extraordinary people I've ever come across. And those of you that have been following me through all of my years and through all of my shows know I do not say that lightly. I am constantly meeting people that are riveting, life-changing, seat-edging, but rarely does somebody give my soul pause where I actually have to stop and think and learn and listen and grow and experience and aspire to and be inspired by. And that's what happened when I was talking to this man. I was so inspired that every part of me wanted to know who he was, how he leads and lives his life, how he started, how he's moved, how he goes from point A to point B, how every day and every dream and everything is fulfilled. And then when I was asked to be part of this, this ready-to-look-younger experience, and the first person that I thought of, was this man, this extraordinary person that crossed my path that really changed my life on living. And so today I have the opportunity to bring that man to you. And we are talking with Daniel Fox. And Daniel, thank you. I see you there. And it's you're, you're such an extraordinary man. You have literally absolutely captivated me from the word go. And I think that this is such an incredible forum because it's people all over the world from every aspect of life and it's really how do we lead a richer and fuller existence that's right I'm lost in words I just this <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing thank you <laughs> thank you so much um, it is um, it's an honor to be talking, chatting with you um, thank you so much for inviting me can't wait to have this little chat together absolutely and there's so many facets in who you are and even just in the past few years, in so many facets. And so one of my favorite questions is always the did you know? When you were five and six and seven and other little kids wanted to be firemen or wanted to be president or whatever it was, did you, was there always the adventurous you in that child? There was always the curious mind, the curious child, the one who wanted to go and explore and just get lost in the forest. Um, I spent a lot of time swimming and 
I remember my mother telling me by watching me swimming and jumping in the water that she thought at some point I had been a dolphin in a previous life. Because just the way that I was just truly loving and enjoying going in circles and jumping, pretending to be a dolphin. And it was, I've always had this sense of connection with the outdoors. Um, but I did, my journey though was not a straight line. I did go to business school and ended up going to New York City, trying to make it into the corporate world. I could always prove to myself that I was able to do it, but my heart was never into it. My, my passion was not into it. Um, I was not motivated. And then after on enough 10 years of trying to, um, to have a head at it, I reassessed everything. I, I looked back into my previous 10, 15 years and there was nothing that I wanted to keep with me. There was not one single thing. And I, I said to myself, this is the time. If I, if I, if I, if there's a time for me to go back to my roots, this is the time. I didn't have any children. I didn't have any commitment. So I sold everything and I just left. I went to Argentina, um, where I basically found myself. It's funny. Argentina has been many things for many people. It's been the starting point for Darwin, for Antoine de Saint Exupéry. You know, that was his muse for um, Chat, um, Chatwell and the two writers also. Their names escaped me, but it was it was it was the place where really they found themselves. And it was exactly the same thing for me. I I reconnected myself with my heart, with my purpose when I was down there. That's incredible. That's so remarkable. I want to ask you, since we're talking about anti-aging and rolling back the hand of time, mm -hmm. yeah. was there ever a time that you felt like you were getting old? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, in absolutely. the grain of what you were doing, did you ever feel different? Like, I mean, now. <laughs> we're going to talk about your life now. Well, there, there was a point in my early 30s. So I'm 42 now. Um, and I would never go back in time. You know, there, there's some, some people who wish they could go back in time because there's such a, a high for them in the past. For me, I would never go back in time. I feel like I'm this old, this nice bottle of wine that just keeps getting better and better. And so I look forward. In fact, when I was, when I was 39, I kept saying that I was 40 minus one. Because I wanted to be, I wanted to be 40. I wanted to embrace this new life that was just for me, just much more than what it was in my past. And now that I got married and now there's like my life is becoming so much more and I'm looking forward to getting older. Who doesn't want to get older? Getting the gray beard and the gray hair. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but the but to answer your question, there was there was one time in particular. I was in my early thirties uh, and I was in Paris. Um, it was just after a breakup, and I I I had I had an event, a, a personal event that really brought me to places that I'd never been before, uh, meaning that. For the first time in my life, I experienced anxiety, just true anxiety. And I never experienced that before. And I remember feeling at that moment that I had missed my life. I had totally 
um, screw things up. I thought it was quite tragic to think of that when you're 30 years old, when you, when you're so kind of young, but yet you think that you've totally missed everything and your life is doomed. And I felt old, I felt really old. It's amazing that you can articulate it in such a way. And the past few years have been crazy amazing for you. I mean, from your photographs and your adventures and your marriage. And so when did things start to unleash, I guess, is a good way to say it, into this wild world of living life or grabbing life with both hands and full reins and however it is that you take off and even live your days. Interestingly enough, it has it has happened in a way that was totally unexpected. Um, I've been living in the States. I lived in the States for about 20 years. I'm Canadian, but I lived in the States for 20 years. And I reached the point where my visa was not renewed and I was basically uprooted. I was um, told by the customs that I was not allowed to go back to to my home and therefore had to reestablish myself in Canada and to a country that I hadn't been in 20 years. And through the, the mists of chaos where everything was just turned upside down, um, I met the most incredible woman and she, she st- stood by me, I guess. She was there and saw a man that, um, was passionate and vulnerable through the thick and thin, and and she's the one that I married. Um, and I've never experienced that kind of love, that kind of support from anyone. And um, you know, it's it's easy in in. I mean, it's the same for you. You travel, you have a public persona. It's easy for people to fall for the image of who we are. But as an artist, often it's hard to find people who can see you for the entirety. And that's what I found with Tristan, my wife. Wow. Now, I want to talk about some of your photography and some of your adventure. But as you're talking about your wife and your marriage, let's start there. You had the most unusual, (laughs) exciting, outlandish one-of-a-kind, unique, adventurous, just wow weddings. <laughs> that we went over the, one of our very first conversations, I remember you were telling me, and this is where we're getting married. And I host radio shows, I host television shows, I've written 34 books, you know, television shows, screenplays. I am not so long for a loss of words. And I was like, there was, I didn't even know what to say because it was new information. I never heard before. And then recently I had the opportunity to actually see photographs of what this wedding looked like. And so if you could share with our friends that are listening, because if you ever stop yourself from thinking anything is possible, any dream come come true, that you can do anything, love any way you want, love full hearted, full spirit, full passion, full joy, all in, make fairy tales and fantasies and every wish <laughs> come true. 
You know, I'm gonna. We have a website, and if you go to intimacy to look younger dot com or love to feel younger dot com, I will have more about Daniel. We can post your wedding photographs. So I think it's fantastic. But tell everybody where you got married and how you got married, because I would guarantee that there's not a single person listening to this. <laughs> and if they have, write to us, call us, because boy, we want to hear from you. But tell everybody about your wedding. It's it's funny because during that weekend um, we bumped into a couple who had just gotten married in Whistler, Canada, and they asked to see some of the photos. And so I showed them the photo of us where we were, and they, you could see the, the look on the guy's face as if like you've totally ruined my day because now I I have to tell my wife that I didn't give her that. So. Um, we married in a glacier ice cave. Um, we took the helicopter from Whistler about, and the trip was about 15, 20 minutes. And we landed on this 10,000 year old glacier and we hiked down with the dress and with the tuxedo and everything. And at some point found this, it was just this, it's, it's really hard to describe, but this cathedral of blue light and, ancient ice and for me it was because of what i do because i of my connection with the with nature with, with the outdoors it was important to connect these two passions now that i had the, the passion of my work and the, my love passion and to unite them in in that in that ceremony and so when we were looking for a place there were two criteria that was that were important for us. One was that it had to be close to the water. And then the other one is that we wanted to find a place that would be ours and ours only. I think that there's something about getting married in the, in the place that you can just claim yours and that no one else will be just kind of repeating or taking that, that same place. So we were with some friends in Whistler and I got to know this company um, who take people into a glacier ice cave and the light went on ice cave water and ephemeral. You cannot have the most perfect place, a place where it was different yesterday and it will be different yesterday because it's always shifting. It's melting. It's changing. So that place will never exist ever like that place lives only in our memory and i thought that it was the most beautiful um imagery of the journey of two people because we're you know both of us were in our 40s so we have lived we have had our experiences so i i wrote the ceremony and i wrote about how our previous lives were like these droplets of water that have been frozen in time for 10,000 years. And we put our hand on the ice and we, I, and we said as this water that is melting today will start its journey towards the ocean and that is our life. After being frozen for so long now, we're starting our journey towards the ocean. And it was the most beautiful um, event that I've, that I've had in my life. It's just extraordinary. And the pictures <laughs> took my breath away. And my favorite part, besides all of it, was you brought your dog. Yes. So 
Kobe, Kobe is Tristan's dog. Well, a little child. It's more than a dog. Um, Kobe has been with, with her for 10 years. And it was important that, you know, that he be part of the ceremony. So he had his little tuxedo and he came with us. And yeah, he's the, he's the third. He's our family, of, what we say, our, a family of two and a half. beautiful well for all of you out there go to love to feel younger.com and we will make sure that there are pictures of your wedding and that people can see this incredible glacier and the work that you do and then as you talk about your relationship with nature i'd love you to talk a little bit more about your photographs and your relationship and your draw and your passion for that because that is i think for each and every one of us out there there's always a connection to nature. I was watching, I was at a Memorial Day party the other day and there was a three-year-old there. And I was watching this three-year-old and her feet as she would just feel the grass and the stones and she would lay herself down on stone or against a tree and she would nestle against the tree or she would play with the flowers and I could just watch her experience nature, this very own relationship that she had that nobody could touch and it was her own world, her own experience, her own beauty, her own grace, her own exquisiteness, extolling. And I couldn't keep my eyes off of watching this three-year-old as she had this experience with nature. And I know that we all have this incredible ability to appreciate the sunset or to appreciate the rainbow or to listen to the waves or the wind or the rain. And and, and then something happens where... In our life, very often, somebody says, don't jump in puddles and play or get all wrapped up because it's snowing outside and you need 15,000 layers of clothes or you need a helmet to ride a bicycle instead of feel the wind or whatever that is. But there's been something in you that instead of going away from nature, got closer and closer and closer and then wanted to experience it differently and catalog it and share it with the world. And I'd love you to talk about that. Well, for me, my nature has always been something almost sacred, almost like a church. It's, it has stayed over the years as a, it's a mentor, a teacher. It's a place where I go back to be reminded of, of what is important and what is not important. Um, at the end of the day, I think that nature is an exercise of humility and perspective. You go over there to be, to see something that is bigger than you. And, if, and and we, the human species, as every other species on Earth, we're a product of our environment. We're intricately connected to it. I mean, we don't exist outside of it. Our senses exist only because there are things to sense. And when you're younger, I don't think that you make that separation. I think you're truly, fully in it. That's why you live the world with such magical eyes because you don't see all these separations that we've come to make as adults at one point in our adult life you know we're told it's like nature is there the human species is there they're too separate we're extremely rational when in reality we're not we're extremely we're just a bunch of monkeys with computers we're, we're a social species we're we find meaning with, within the community within doing something that is bigger than ourselves and, and nature is that. Nature is is going back into a place where there's so much more than what we make of it. Um, 
And I think there's so much, so many insights. So this is one of the things that I, that I've like through my work is, is for a long, long, long time, the human species has looked at nature as a guideline or a source of teachings on how to live. And at one point we disconnected ourselves. We put a big mirror above our heads and start to think of ourselves as the most magical thing. And in, in that process, we created a certain emptiness because we, we have nothing else to attach ourselves to. And in that same token, we've created a lot of guilt and anxiety because people, there's a, there's this inner feeling that there is more to life than just what we claim to be. So I try with the help of nature to reconnect that narrative of, of, I guess the, truly embracing what life is. And for me, I don't make any difference between nature and life. For me, they're the same. Now, wilderness, wilderness is a different notion. Wilderness is really a, a place where the human presence is limited. But nature and life for me are exactly the same. Yeah, I, I cannot separate these two. It's the one and the other. They're just so... When I, when I share with people, I try to make them see that. I try to make them see that life is not meant to be perfect. The, uh, the high is only relative to the downs, to the lows. The, the, the journey is as important and, and, and not just like saying it, but truly embracing what that means that there's so much growth and so much happiness in that process of journey that we need to reconnect ourselves with, with that reality. That's so beautiful. And so talk a little bit about your work. You decided to photograph it. You decided to journal about it. You decided to share it how? For those that are unfamiliar, teach them about So all so photography... Obviously, I'm a fine art photographer. I use photography to as a as a tool to communicate, but also to present. For me, photography is always a perspective. When I photograph nature, I try to take the context out so that I can present the viewer something that they always have to ask themselves: What is it? When I photograph wildlife, I want to capture their spirit, their energy. I don't hide. I don't hide from the animal. I want them to see me. I want, I have a, I have a motto that says, um, I don't want to be, I don't want to take the shot. I want to receive it. Um, and for me, it's really important that it, it's on, it's on their terms. And because I want to capture the eyes. I want them to look at me. I want to photograph and capture this intimacy of two species sharing a place, a moment. And then in that, in that moment, I'm not a human and they're an animal. We're just two species caught up in the same struggle or the struggle of surviving and living and, and taking care of the people that are, that are important to us. And that I don't see, I don't see the human species as so special. We're, we've evolved great at one thing at the expense of other things. We have a wonderful brain. We invent things. But there are other species that have evolved to be extremely efficient in other. I mean, when you, you know, when you talk about an eagle that flies so way up in the, in the air and yet they're able to see a little 
mouse on the ground. Their eyes is so amazing. Like, how is it that like this is that we're better than that? Like, it's we're so through my photography, I try to capture that. I try. It's an exercise of perspective. Those are portraits, intimate portraits, are where I want to celebrate their spirit of survival. Um, and I, and, and when I say that, I, I don't want to humanize animals. I want to celebrate who they are. I think it's a big, it's a, there's a distinction there. I don't try to project who we are as a species onto them, but I want to recognize what they've achieved through thousands of years and through millions of years. That's incredible. Do you decide in advance, okay, I'm going to go to this particular location or there's a species I've always wanted to photograph or do you along your travels just stop and say, wow, I need to capture this at this particular moment in time? I've come to enjoy, and I think it has really defined the way that I travel. Um, I think it's important to know where you want to go. But at the same time, you need to be open to the unexpected and to go with the flow. So I, my trips are always, I have a destination, I go over there, and then after that, I kind of just wing it and things happen and things. And it's it's part of the beauty of traveling, the, the, to see what's going to happen, to see what's... I mean, I do, don't get me wrong, I do stress if I'm going to be able to deliver or to capture when the days go by and nothing happens. But somehow, by putting myself out there, by making myself vulnerable, by just welcoming the unexpected, there's always something that just reveals itself. And when it reveals itself, I know it. I, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a light bulb, there's a click, there's a sensation that I, that I feel that this is why I came here for. And I think that your photographs are so beautiful. They're so real and they're so emotional. I mean, I know that the first time I ever had the opportunity to look at any of your, you know, any of your work, like something shifted inside of me and I found myself there. Not like you're saying, okay, you're not taking a picture of something. I wasn't looking at a picture of something. I actually found myself like I could feel myself as if I was there in that moment in time or part of that. Thank you. What's it like when people are looking at your work and you see the response that they go through? That's exactly why it, they give me the, they remind me why I do what I do, why I keep why I keep working for the, the passion and for the vision that I have. Because I think that, you know, when people, when people talk if, about the lifestyle that I have and some of the things that I do, there's always a certain sense of, oh my God, you're having the most wonderful life. You know, I wish I could do that. And, and there's a little voice inside my head that I always like, no, you don't want, you don't like I, The life of an artist is, not for everyone. You know, there's before you start to make it financially stable, you it's going to be hard. Like it's when you're committed to an ideal, when you're committed to a value of life that is not necessarily financial, um, 
it's it's not you know it's not it's not for everyone. So when I see the impact that I can create on people through my public speaking, through my photography, through every interaction that I can, it reminds me of why I do that. Because it's 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 finding a meaning in life that is so much bigger than just your own little your own little backyard. Do you ever get scared? I mean, I think that I think you're so brave and courageous, and you're in all these incredibly dangerous. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very. I'm looking at this positioning with this wildlife or with these animals, or and then you were so close and so present, and some of there's, it fierce. There's a line. There's a line in the movie that I always remember, and to me, it truly exemplifies the, my relationship with fear. I don't know if you, um, the golden compass. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. I was... Which I'm so sad that it was never the rest of the series, the book series, because uh, I did a, a read the series. But in the movie, you get the little girl who's riding on the back of the polar bear. And she, at one point they're going and she's asking him, but are you not scared? And he goes, yes, but I master my fear. And I, and I think that's exactly what I've, for me, it's always been like my, my goal is not to ignore my fears and not to diminish the severity or the danger of a situation, but to rise above them, to, um, to not feed to the fear of it. Um, and just to become kind of to grow with them and not to snowball, not to let them snowball. So it's, it's, there's a lot of meditation. There's a lot of breathing. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of being in the moment. Um, and, there's one thing, there's one thing that I do always with animals or even with myself when I'm out there. I talk to myself. I talk to the animals. The voice has so much power. The voice has a tremendous capacity to either um, stress us or calm us. And when you're with animals, you're brought back to these um, these really primal, this primal body language, the way the vibration that you have. If you're if you're scared, it, it will show in your voice. If you're calm, it also shows. If you're confident, everything, all all these these cues are transmitted just by your voice. So when you see animals that are predators that are often bigger than you. The voice has a tremendous purpose in there. It, it, it announces your intent. It, it communicates how you feel. Because um, animals, animals want to attack just for the fun of it. There's, there are kind of two strong, two big differences of behaviors when it comes to animals when they attack. Females will attack to protect their young. That is, and, and, there's not much to do there, but when it comes to about territory or food, 
there's always a lot of bluffing. There's a lot of body language before an animal would risk to physically be harmed before attacking. And in that moment, as I, because I am a predator, I need to establish my space. I need to communicate with them that I'm not a threat or that not worth for them uh, their time or to attack me. So talking, talking does a lot of that. It, and I don't, I don't try to communicate in, let's say if I, you know, if I come across a bear, I'm not going to try to talk into bear language because I have no idea. Like, rawr, rawr. like I'm not, I, I'm not connected. I'm not connected to these words, but I will say, my name is Daniel. This is what I'm doing here. I don't want you any harm, but I want you to respect me. And my voice is really sounding and really deep and really like it just, and you can see the body language and you can, you can respond to that. There were a couple, there were, there was one time where I had a face up with a bear and um, we had a little standoff. Um, he came to me at first and then at one point he got so close that I totally changed my, my tone of voice and I became really like, like protective of my space. And I told him basically this is, mine and, and don't come you know closer and don't know if you remember the movie um lord of the rings when gandalf is on that passerelle and he said you shall not pass and he just hit the ground with a staff that's basically what i did and the bear turned around and just went back to what he, what he was doing and 20 minutes later he actually came back to me after me and when he came back that moment was just so different his body language was different it's as if the entire forest had become silent and all the birds were just like, like no one wanted to do a peep. Like it was truly like a Western movie. And he got exactly to the same place where earlier I had told him like, this is my place. And he stopped and he started to come forward again. And at that moment, I knew that um, this was really a critical moment. So I stood up because I'm always also, um, I, I don't hide from them, and I'm also sitting at the ground level so that my eye can be at their eye level, so I don't seem to be a threat. But at the same time, in the last minute, I can also get myself bigger and higher. So with at that moment, I got up, and he gets up. So the two of us now are standing up face-to-face, and we're about six feet away. And I had a machete next on my um on my uh, on my belt, and I basically I looked at him in the eye and I said, I swear to you, like I'm not gonna go down without a fight. And if you come closer, like you're gonna be the one at the hospital, not me. And we stared at each other, and then I don't know, it felt like a minute, but in reality, it must have been like seconds. He went back on his four legs and turned around and disappeared. And it was just, it was, it was kind of. It was a, it, there was a certain proud in the moment, obviously, because you, you've mastered a, your fear. You, you didn't give in to, um, to, to the, the, the fear. That's, that's, and, and so you've, there's a certain sense of accomplishment. Yeah. That was, it was quite extraordinary. 
Thank you for sharing that. That's a brilliant story. What a fierce story. What a powerful man you are. Well, we have. It's a, it's the same thing with children and with with dogs. You know, the the there's a difference between having an authority through owning the moment and having an authority by scaring or by being a bully. And with being with children, and I mean, you can ask a lot of my friends who have dogs. They know that when I come into the house, like often they listen to me. I and and they're. You know, my friends is like, what is it with my dog in you? Like, he never listens and he never does that. And they just, like, you, you need to have an intent behind the words that you're saying. You need to own. And when you say no, you know, it's, it's no, it's not, it's not like, oh, you've been such a bad boy. That doesn't, that doesn't really resonate with the dog. He's like, yes, I know. I've been good. I've been good. <laughs> My dogs are like two pounds and they have broken. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand completely. And thank you for sharing. <laughs> and then I wanted to ask you because this show really is everything in living and leading a healthier and a happier and a richer and a fuller life. And is there anything you would recommend? to people that from that little boy that you were, from that adventurous child who is connected to nature, who now has disconnected, or to people that, you know, would follow their passions or follow their dreams or follow their love or their romance or an idea like to get married, you know, and yeah. just is there anything that you would say to people that would be a key or a guideline or a path or a doorway or a window to really leading that kind of healthy and happy life? There are two, well, two things, and they kind of connect themselves. First of all, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, it's, we live in a really, really complicated time, a really fascinating time, but also complicated. Um, we live in a world that is engineered to distract us. Uh, from the clothes that we wear, from the, our phones, from the computers, from every single thing that is surrounded, that is surrounding us has been engineered to distract us. We have companies that are making sure that the, co- it's just that it's, they, they make the study for that. But for us, we think that it's really easy to accomplish things, to get up in the morning and, and, and just to do it. It's, it's hard. So what I say to people is usually just pick one thing. Don't make a big list of things. Just pick one thing and then focus on achieving that. And then that will lead to something else. And then next thing you know, you're going to have an entire list of things that you're going to accomplish. But as you started with the entire list, you would have just given up a long time ago. Usually, when I, like I say... Just, it's like a domino effect. Like if I, you know, it's just the, the first, the first piece of the domino will trigger a chain reaction. And it's, it's okay to fail. It's okay to, it's okay to take time. It's, we all have our own realities to deal with. Don't start comparing yourself to your neighbor. Don't start comparing yourself to anyone because each has his own reality to deal with. That's really great advice. Thank you for that. Absolutely. It's tough. It's, it's, I think that the, one of the reasons why there's, 
the pharmaceutical industry is so i mean there it's not it's not a secret there's so many prescribed drugs out there there's so many people with anxiety with filled with guilt um and everybody and social media is just um emphasizing on on the idea that everybody has an amazing lifestyle when in reality everybody's extremely lonely there's a tremendous pressure to perform and to achieve and people are really caught up into that frenzy and one one of the themes of my work is the all stuff breathe relax listen and i have these little bracelets also that are a reminder of that but it's the I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you go through that one more time? So stop the four words. It's a little mantra. Stop, breathe, relax, listen. And it it's stop so that you can create boundaries. Breathe so that you can gain perspective. Relax so that you get clarity. And then listen so that you can be aware of the signs and to and it's basically the I mean, the, the image of that, the, the visualization is, you know, you have a jar filled with water and sand and it's constantly shaken. And that's our lives. It's constantly taken from one place to the other, distracted. And we're supposed to be able to make decisions and see the clarity when the jar is constantly shaken. And when it's time to make decisions or to, you're in a moment that you're stressed, you just want to take that jar and you put it on the table. And that is stop. You create those boundaries. You create that space for you to relax. And as that jar sits on that table, the sand starts to get heavier and go to the bottom of the jar. And suddenly the water becomes clear. And then through that clarity, you can see the signs. You can listen to your intuition. Because your intuition is always there, but it's always hard to listen to it because it's constantly overwhelmed by everything else. But... Your body, you can start listening with your body, with your intuition, and then you can make your decision. You can set your priorities. You can, you can make the next move, but create that space. And for a lot of people, it's meditation. For other people, it's, you know, taking a walk. It can be driving. I mean, there's not really a, a formula to say what, what are those boundaries, but you just need to be conscious that this is what you're making. You're creating a space for you to gain clarity and perspective so that you can see what is what needs to be seen and you can make sounded lasting decisions. I love that. Thank you. And I have and I have these little bracelets that are um because we need we need visual cues to remind ourselves throughout the day. And you know the I think the religious the religious communities have, have done that for a really long time. You know, everybody, Christians will wear the, the cross on their neck because it, it connects them. There's something tactic, tactical about, um, about, you know, having an object with you. So these beads are actually African, vintage African, African glass beads and they're all uh, color coded. So one, so stop is the color red. Breathe is the color green, so forest. Um, blue is the, the ocean, so relax. And white is listen, so a white canvas. And they're glass beads because for me, they kind of exemplify what we are 
as human species, glass is a natural substance, so it's sand, but it's been crafted by mankind. So are we. We're a natural product, but we've been crafted by our culture, by who we are, by what we've, what, who we surround ourselves with. And so these glass beads that are about 50 to 100 years old carry the sign of times on them. They have these little marks, and, and so are we. It's the same thing. We, we carry the time on our, on our face, on our shoulders. And even though we see their, you know, their, the outside of the beads, the reality and, and truth is that they're connected through their core. It's that little string at the core that unites them and keeps them together. And again, I think that's the same thing about who we are. We have our shell, we have our appearance, our image, but at the end of the day, we're connected through our intimacy, through our vulnerable vulnerability. This is, and that's, I think we've, we're too quick to forget that today in our world of technology. Um, but that is what I try to remind people. Love it. Stop, breathe, relax, and listen. Yep. It's just perfect. It's great. It really is. And I so appreciate you being here. And for all of you out there, if you go to lovetofeelyounger.com, we will have more in Daniel and his incredible photography and work and connections to nature and adventure and life and passion and love. And I love to post your wedding pictures because I think they're just so much fun. And there's a joy, there's an exuberance, there's a glee, there's a fantasy. And it allows you to know that everything is possible. Mm-hmm. And then I would also love to share where people can be able to find the bracelets as well. Because I think in listening to this, there's just somebody saying yes. That's something that I would love for myself to be able to have a constant reminder and a constant connection. And I love the idea of that single thread running through. Oh, and I will make sure I send you one. Um, oh, so <laughs> much. I promise you, I'll wear it proudly. Excellent. that, I love the idea of that, and your entire life the way that you keep stepping forward and that no matter what life has put in your pathway, even if it's not being able to come back to the States and creating a whole new journey and adventure for yourself and meeting this beautiful woman and allowing her to support you in a brand new way and the people that you meet and nature and the way that you listen to your heart and you care, your level of care for humanity and Nature and people and places and things and life itself is. I think we have, we have to remind ourselves that we're not a bad species. I think there's so much emphasis right now on how bad we are as a species. How could we have done what we did to the planet? When in reality, the reason why we're seven, seven billion on the planet is not because we're bad, it's because we're extremely good at learning and adapting and surviving. And we learn through feeling the consequences of our actions. And no one in the past got up and purposely did something with the intention of, of jeopardizing the future of our children or the human time. It's just that we did things thinking that it was best and now we're realizing that it, it is not necessarily the best solution. So now we have to stop pointing the finger at the past and just looking at the future and how can we move forward and make ourselves better. And 
it, is it going to be hard? Yes, it will, because change is a ne- it's never a wanting, it's never a wanted option. We spend so much energy trying to create that sense of stability and security that whenever something comes and just changes all that, we push it hard, like as much as we can. But we rise in face of challenges. This is who we are. This is why we're so great. This is why we've survived and, and gotten where we are. And we have to remind ourselves that, that we have the capacity to make the best out of tomorrow. And, and we have to stop blaming ourselves and just embrace where we're going and take the opportunity to grow. Uh, I'm doing cartwheels on the ceiling right now. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your brilliance, your talent, your wisdom, your heart, your spirit, your soul, and your passion, and all of what you do and who you are. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. Be grateful for you. So, for all of you out there, Daniel Fox, find his work. (laughs) We'll tell you all about him. And For each and every one of you out there, I think this is such a great conversation to be able to say, stop, breathe, relax, and listen. Live your passion. Live your dreams. Create your own avenues. Create your own ways. Connect to nature. Connect to your heart. Hear your voice. Yeah. Share who you are. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We look forward to seeing you soon. Soon.